Our second scripture lesson today comes from the book of Exodus. Listen for what God may be saying to the church this day. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. And then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. So today is Trinity Sunday. We reflect on this mysterious and potentially baffling idea that one God is three. Not three gods, but a oneness that has three aspects, forms, ways of being. It's difficult to even talk about. 
As the concept of the Trinity developed over time, words to describe it began to center on the idea that God is three persons, yet one God. We still have that paradox of three and one. But what helps me understand this idea of persons is the English word persona. Think of an actor who can take on three different personas, yet it's still just one actor. The three persons of the Trinity is kind of like that. We sang in our opening hymn today, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That's very traditional, historic language for the Trinity. People have used lots of images to describe the Trinity. It's like water, which can be gaseous steam or liquid water or solid ice. Or the Trinity is like a tree that has roots and a trunk and branches. Or we can talk about the different actions that God takes, sometimes creating, so God is the creator, sometimes redeeming, so God is the redeemer through Christ, sometimes sustaining and sanctifying, so God is the sustainer or the sanctifier in the Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, sustainer, the Trinity. Metaphors can help us expand our minds and take us beyond either or thinking. If the Trinity was a mathematical problem, we might use either or thinking. God is either three or one. God cannot be both. But metaphors are not either or thinking. They hold two contradictory things in tension. There's a kind of both and thinking in a metaphor. We can say that God is the rock of my salvation. We know that God is not literally a rock, but God is a rock in the sense of providing stability and solidity to me, to you, to us, even in the midst of the high winds that toss us about in life and create disarray. God is our rock. A metaphor has power because it, it takes us beyond the literal and the limited. A metaphor can help us think in creative and expansive ways. A metaphor can help us think in relational and emotional ways. It can evoke emotions, reactions in us, and it can change how we feel. A metaphor can be explained and explored through a story that takes us into an experience. I've been reading parts of a 2007 best-selling novel called The Shack. I'm guessing some of you have read it. It was self-published at first, but it spread like wildfire and became a New York Times bestseller and has sold over 20 million copies worldwide. The story is about a man whose daughter has been killed and his anger at God for letting it happen. He sinks into depression, and one day he gets a note from God inviting him to come and meet with God. God wants to help heal him, and the God he meets is Trinitarian. He meets God in three persons. God the Father is a black woman, and the main character, Mac, calls her Papa. 
That's what Mac's wife calls God the Father, Papa, just as Jesus called God the Father, Abba. Mac and Papa agree that he will call her Papa. He will call her Papa. That idea shakes something up. It breaks assumptions that we have about God and about gender. I grew up thinking of God as an old white man. That was what I saw in my head. And that is true of Mac in this story as well. And Papa is aware of it and says to him essentially, you thought I was going to look like Gandalf, didn't you? In the book, Jesus is a Middle Eastern laborer and the Holy Spirit is an Asian woman named Sarayu, which means wind. Just common wind, Jesus tells Mac. And it's hard to see her. She kind of shimmers and fades in and out like wind might, if you could see wind. When Mac meets these three, he asks them, which one of you is God? I am, they all say in unison. It recalls God giving the holy name from the burning bush, I am. The novel was written by a pastor who wanted to tell people some things he believes about God. And the theology is, surprisingly to me, pretty traditional Trinitarianism, something I don't expect to find in something that seems like a pop culture book. The expression of the Trinity gets expanded in terms of race and gender, and that is the surprising part and the captivating part. Something about this novel has captured the imaginations of 20 million people. It has touched their hearts. They have encountered the Trinity, who is three and one. And they have from this book an image of a deeply loving God who wants us to know how loved we are, especially in the face of tragedies and violence, injustice, and despair. I avoided reading the book for a long time. I assumed it was just a fad, and I didn't expect to find theology that would be meaningful to me. But eventually, I wanted to know what the tremendous appeal was. Finding an image of a black, Asian, Middle Eastern, female, male God has a liberating effect on the holy imagination. Or in other words, it liberates our imaging of God. It provides an expansive image of God, one that breaks common expectations around gender and race. It expands how we think of who God is. Metaphors for God can enliven our spirituality, and there are many metaphors in both testaments of our Holy Scripture. Some of the metaphors are inanimate. God is like a rock, as I mentioned. But God is also like a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, or a cloud around Mount Sinai when Moses is there meeting God. God is like wind and water and light and bread. God is like a vine on which we all grow. Some biblical images and metaphors use the idea of animals. God is like a mother bear. An eagle 
under whose wings we can take shelter. God is like a mother hen gathering her chicks or like a roaring lion. And some of the biblical metaphors are human, both male and female metaphors for God. Patriarchy is well represented in the Bible and many metaphors for God are male images, but not all of them. God is like a shepherd, a king, a counselor, an advocate. God is like a potter. But God is also like a midwife, like a mother, like a woman who lost and found a coin. God is like a baker woman who mixed yeast through all the bread. We tend to anthropomorphize God, to use a big word. We tend to imagine God as a human because we want to have a relationship with God. It's hard to love a rock, a pillar of fire, a cloud, a gate, a light, or a vine. Maybe it's easier to love a king, a shepherd, a nursing mother, or a baker woman. The human metaphors are easier to relate to on a personal level, but we sort those into hierarchies too. Why do we see the shepherd with the lost sheep as an image of God, but not the woman who lost a coin and rejoiced when she found it? These two stories are told side by side in the Bible. And why do we lift up the idea of God as king, but not the idea of God as a baker woman mixing the leaven throughout the world to create the realm and reign of God? What is it that captures our imaginations? We can become constrained by what we have known in the past and habits we've developed about how we speak about God and how we even think about God. Metaphors become idols when we can't think beyond them. In our scripture reading this morning, God tells Moses the divine name. How do we imagine a God whose name is I am? Biblical scholars tell us the name can be translated as I am what I am or I am that I am. I am that I am. It could even be read in the future tense. I will be what I will be. There's some kind of pure existence expressed in this, an existence that defies description or surpasses our limited capacity to understand. This is my name, God says to Moses, I exist, I am. Jesus also uses this name when he says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. The verb tenses don't line up there, and that seems purposeful. This is perhaps the most expansive and non-limiting way of talking about God, but how do we have a relationship with pure existence? Over 20 years ago, I was living in Boston and contemplating going to seminary. I was talking with the executive presbyter there about women's leadership roles in the church and male and female images of God. She said, the executive presbyter, she said that her mind was so trained to think of God as male 
that she gave herself a year-long project. She decided to flip the script for one year and refer to God using only female pronouns or no pronouns at all. To free her mind, she needed to give it something new to hold on to, something new to envision, something new to relate to. People play with the ideas of the Trinity in various ways. Some people think of the Father and Son as male and the Spirit of God as female. In this way, there is male and female in the Trinity. Franciscan priest Richard Rohr has written that while he imagines, images the three persons of the Trinity all in male terms, he thinks the relationship between the three is a female or feminine thing, the quality of relation, of relating, so that male and female, again, are intertwined through the very identity of God. And William P. Young, who wrote The Shack, gives us an image of God the Creator, the first person of the Trinity, as a black woman who is strong and all-wise and who laughs uproariously and dances along with the second person of the Trinity, a Middle Eastern Jesus, and the third person of the Trinity, an Asian woman Holy Spirit made of wind, the breath and spirit of God. Papa says to Mac in the story, to reveal myself to you as a very large white grandfather figure with a flowing beard like Gandalf would simply reinforce your religious stereotypes. And this weekend is not about reinforcing your religious stereotypes. What God wanted to do for Mac that weekend and what I think God wants to do for all of us is show up in a way that we can trust, to draw close to us in a way that is healing and uplifting. I know that some of you pray to Mother Father God or Father Mother God. Some of you pray to Mother God. And some of you pray to your beloved Father God. And that's good. Mostly today, I wanted to give you permission. Permission to see yourself reflected in God because you are, all of you, are created in the image of God. God is a loving parent, a beloved child, an ever-present source of love, healing, forgiveness, help, and compassion. She is a mother bear, a protective eagle, the light of the world, a baker woman, a source of joy. She is also a shepherd of lost sheep, a potter who shapes us, a rock who gives us stability, and so many more things. Meditate on these ideas and know that you are never alone. What new experiences of God might we have if we open ourselves to expansive language, expanses, expansive images for God, and inclusive language for God's people? May God help us to embrace the exuberance that is God's creation.
May it be so. Amen.